The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Now that is how you go out on the road and win. Welcome to Rams Rewind. Thank you for listening, either live in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group or out in podcast land. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you enjoy this post-game podcast after it as much as I'm going to. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out, like our good friends, Robert, let me see here. Let me make sure I got the names right here. One second. One second. Uh, Robert Grant, who gave us a very nice donation, and Jason Jacobus. If you're like them and you like what you hear and you want to shoot us a little dinero, there is a link in the PayPal. Uh, uh, there's a PayPal link, excuse me, in the description on Podbean, and I'm pretty sure on the descriptions of any of your podcast platforms for uh, doing that. And I hope you love what you hear tonight because you're going to hear nothing but good things except for one group of people. We'll get to them. What a fantastic performance on the road. The perfect except for the first few minutes of the game, the perfect road performance. And again, didn't start well. Uh, Loyola was hot early with the three-pointers, big time, early in the game. Uh, they were giving us work in that in that department. They ended up four for six in the first half, and that's pretty much what got them. They made three of them in about the first five, six minutes, uh, and it was 13, it was 15 to six, and you thought, oh, God, here we go again. But they worked and worked and worked their way back into the game. And offensively, they just, it's just like the game against Davidson. Absolutely on fire. Because let's let's uh, let's remember this. They were one for seven to start the game. Okay? One for seven. VCU ends up 57%. 24 for 42 from the field. So they were 23 for 35. 23 for 35. That is incredible. That is incredible. And in the second half, and I mean, these second half numbers are just, oh, oh. I mean, I could just float away. They're so beautiful. Look at this box score is so gorgeous. I want to kiss it. 13 to 20 from the field. That's 65%. Three for four from three. That's all David Shriver. He took three threes, made them all. Baldwin took one. That was it. 14 of 18 from the foul line, but here's the kicker. Here's the kicker, and this is when you know you're running really good offense because first half, five field goals, five assists on 11 made baskets is eh, not that great. Second half, 13 made baskets, nine field goals, and, oh, six turnovers. Again, you can't play a much better half than that. And without the referees and their nonsense, which, again, we'll get to in a bit, 
This would have been this could have been a just a total rout in the second half. But goodness, this I mean, what an amazing performance. And once again, interesting. Let's start with Ace Baldwin, just because it was interesting. When they were struggling early, Pete Gillen, who's doing the color, is saying, look, we got Ace has got to get going. He's got to lead from the front. And he kind of does. You know, he takes seven shots in the first half, most on the team. Three for seven makes one three. Seven points, two assists. Again, that isn't what I would prefer. But you know what's funny? This is two games in a row now, so he's had to be the scorer in the first half and not the facilitator. You get to the second half, he takes two shots, one for two. He gets to the foul line, makes all four free throws, six assists in the second half. I mean, and and just and and like you say, Bruce, the doggone some of those assists to Kern. Like I say, I am petitioning. We're going to talk. We got to talk a lot about Nick Kern tonight, even though he hard actually hardly played in the second half. Who cares? The baseline is the Kern line, because if Nick Kern is on that baseline, you better get on. And you don't. And you're not on him. He's going to be at that basket, and he's either going to be dunking it or laying it in. Um. So that is absolutely. I mean, Nick Kern. What a night! I know he. The, the score line isn't going to blow anybody away, and he started the game. And that didn't work out for him because and and Watkins didn't start well either coming coming off the bench. But Nick Kern, oh, he gave us some juice. Again, a couple of big dunks. He's seven points, three for four from the field. Beautiful. Had a big block in the game, too. Um and, and you know, and Ryan Thompson, you're absolutely right about Shriver. That if the Shriver of of the Davidson game in today is the Shriver we get the rest of the year. We are going to be a really good basketball team. No question about it. Uh, and, and Ryan Thompson, I understand that in part because, you know, Watkins, Watkins, it's kind of, it's it's an interesting thing with him because he is so frustrating at times because he'll just barrel into something without any regard to the game and what's going on and the time and the whatever, and he'll turn it over, make some mistakes, he'll get a foul call, whatever. But here's what Watkins did that was really good tonight. He got to the foul line in the second half. And remember, Watkins has Bubkiss. He's got one point at halftime. Uh, and he gets to the foul line. He gets eight free throws in the second half, makes seven of eight, and gets six rebounds, as VCU actually does a great job on the boards after getting slaughtered on the backboard in the first half, although they didn't pay the price for it. And, and those foul shots, any thought of a Loyola rally – Cooled it right off, dumped the dumped the cold water right on it, put that fire out. And that's the thing. VCU, foul line tonight. First half wasn't that great. You know, 12 of 18, that's not what you want with 18 free throws. What you want is what you had in the second half, 14 of 18. And so, hey, VCU gonna gonna take a big step up in those foul, foul, foul rankings when we do them tomorrow. 36 foul shots, 26 made. So that's plus 19 on attempts and plus 14, and that's your ball game in a lot of respects, even though, again, the score is not as – it's not the game was not as close as the score indicated. VCU was up as many as 21, and they were going away with it before the stupid whistles. Bill, you're absolutely right about the foul, about the bad starts. I want to give Rhodes some credit on a couple things. First, changing the lineup. It didn't work, but you got to change the lineup when you keep having these bad starts. I don't know what the secret is. 
to fixing the bad starts. They got to figure it out. I don't know how. I I, I don't have the answer. They got to figure this out. Uh, But man, what a performance. Again, to shoot 23 for 35, which is basically what they did for what, 32 minutes, 37 minutes, 35 minutes, whatever it was. That's incredible. Honestly, you, you can't do it much better than that offensively. You know, 14 assists on 24 made baskets. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> and and Daniel Carter brings up the points off turnovers. Doggone Loyola had to get a bunch of them at the end. They got the last eight points off turnovers because at one point, it was 31-2. to two. And I was thinking to myself, I might open up this show asking, what's the record, what's the school record for a points off a turnover differential? Because it was 31-2. to two. And then we had a bunch of turnovers at the end that they got points off of. But hey, again, we all know two of the worst turnover teams in the country, VCU Loyola, both in the bottom about 20-30. Loyola has 22, and actually they did pretty well to only have 22 because they only had seven in the second half. VCU only has 12. And, and I mean, we were in such a damn rhythm in this second half. It, I mean, it was, oh, I was yelling and screaming with joy watching them run offense in the second half. Just just absolutely marvelous. And Jalen Deloach, brother, they couldn't live with him tonight. It's kind of, it's too bad because he really should have had 20 tonight or more than 20. Cause they could I mean they that in the middle of that half when they really started to pull away, holy mackerel. Deloach they he was just getting whatever he wanted. And I mean you want to see Deloach Back somebody down and power it in, you got it. You want to see Deloach hit a jumper? Bang, you got that. You want to see Deloach with some beautiful passes? You got that. What do you want? Do you want steals? Do you want great perimeter defense? Do you want him to no-serve somebody a couple of times? You had it all. You had it all. And John O'Neill, John's had five of the turnovers. Brandon Johns was frustrating me, but right at the end of the half, first half, he got cooking – And that was key because that's what got him ahead. But, man, Jalen Deloach showed you everything tonight. What do you want? How would you like it? You have it your way right away, Jalen Deloach. Jalen Deloach was giving you this, that, and other. And then look at this stat line. 16 points, 7 boards, 2 assists, 2 blocks. Like I say, that's what what Vince used to do. And that's going to get Jalen Deloach on an all-conference team. Because he can do he can do that every night. And, he, and, and one of the things he's really good at, that he, he didn't have a steal tonight, he usually has a steal. You know, just, just outstanding. But I'll tell you something. We've been hard on David Shriver in this patch of VCU fandom. I want to praise David Shriver to bits. I mean, I know he got burned a couple of times defensively in the second half. Golly Moses, David Shriver played a great game tonight. Because here's what he didn't do. He's just had a, his best game as a VCU player. Six out of eight from three, and he was popping them in from everywhere. And this also shows you this is good coaching by, by the Mike Rhodes and the staff, but it shows you maturity. VCU could have been just bombing away. Oh, look at us. We just made 15 threes in a game. We're a good three-point shooting team now. We're going to go blame. We're going to just chuck it up from everywhere. David Schreiber didn't do that, and VCU didn't do that. They only took four threes in the first half. Baldwin made one. And they all and most of them weren't that good of shots. But again, it's it's having the smarts to understand, hey, 
We got one of their best front court players out of the game, Alston. He gets two fouls, has to sit down. We're going to go inside and we're going to bust their head, which is what they did uh, in, in to turn that game around because Loyola was dominating points in the paint early in the game, and then VCU got it back even because VCU started cooking down there. So VCU doesn't go crazy from the three, so they take 18 twos, four threes, smart. Second half, Shriver, three for three, and he got fouled on one. And they're all in the context of the offense. They're all good shots. I'm going to look, but I would bet money. I, I am betting that all of them were assisted. I don't know that for certain. I'm just going to look. I'm just going to go down and look, scroll down the play-by-play a minute as I look. But I'm pretty sure all of those were assisted. I mean, just tremendous, tremendous decision-making, smarts, basketball IQ. Some of the things we've been frustrated by, let's be honest. We've been frustrated by these things. In the, in the last two games, we've seen it. We have seen it. So, yeah, Shriver's first three is an ace ball and assist. So is his second three. It makes it 56-39. And then let's see here because it was a little later before we get the other one with the four-point play, I'm pretty sure. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah, the third one with the foul. With the third one with the foul. So three Shriver triples. All of them ace Baldwin assists. That's that is what we're looking for. And think of it, and remember, Loyola is one of the slower paced teams out there. So for VC for and, and they struggled defensively, but for VCU to get 78 in a game like that, which there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of up and down. VCU had nine fast break points. Loyola had seven in the game. Oh, tremendous. This is, I mean. I don't know where they found it because maybe maybe everybody did what they needed to do after the Duquesne game. Maybe they all looked in the mirror. Maybe they all realized the things they were doing wrong, whatever it was. I don't care. That Duquesne game, if that was the bottom and it felt like it, this has been the complete opposite. The first four minutes of each of these games haven't been great. The final 36 have been fantastic. The two best performances of the year by a country mile. And here's the other interesting thing. VCU, their bench did nothing in the first half. They had one point on the bench, I think, in the first half. Yeah, they had one bench point. Second half, VCU bench points, 21-4. to four. Now, granted, that's all Watkins and Shriver uh, because Lawal uh, didn't get in. Zeb only played five minutes. Uh, uh, Zeb only played five minutes in part because he got two ridiculous ticky-tack fouls that weren't fouls, and Banks only played a couple minutes. But still, 21-4 to from the bench in the second half. VCU, VCU ain't losing when stuff like that happens. I don't care who they're playing, even if it is Dayton. Uh, this, what, a, what a performance. What a performance. Now let's get to the one big negative. These blankety-blank-blank referees, I'm telling you. And the funny thing is, up to the point where they they they, they inter started meddling in this game, and there's no other word for it. I really didn't have a complaint. They called a lot of fouls, but most of them were legitimate foul calls. The ones on VCU were, the ones on Loyola were. Yes, it might somebody might listen to this and say, "Oh, it's easy for you to say. Look at all the foul free throws you got." But we were putting them in positions where they had to foul. 
There might have been one or two ticky-tack calls against him. One of the Austin fouls early, you might have a complaint about. But in general, we were getting them on, in bad defensive positions, and they were fouling. That's what was happening. And then all of a sudden, it, every little bitty thing, they called four fouls on VCU and put Loyal on the bonus in one possession. Oh, and yes, Jamie stinking lucky, Bruce Stevenson. Pull on, uh, I, I was wondering about poor old Todd St. Pierre, our admin in the group, because that is like, I mean, every time, I swear every time Jamie Lucky is assigned to a VCU game, his face breaks out and boils, he gets the shakes, and I'm worried about his his health, both physical and mental. And I was just worried. I was like, I hope Todd St. Pierre doesn't keel over during this nonsense from the ref because VCU was gonna VCU was gonna win this game by 25 or 30 if it just kept going the way it was going. They were in such a rhythm. They were seven of nine at the point at, at, at the point that the referee started getting involved and slowed the game down and just just kind of just kind of broke the rhythm completely. They were seven of nine. They had two turnovers. They were killing Loyola. And then that that's where things kind of went sideways after that. They still end up 13 to 20 in the second half. So I mean it's not it's not like it, it cost them the game. It was hopefully never going to do that. But this is this is what these two games, this was the team we wanted to see all year. This is the team that we thought or at least I thought after the first two games of the season, before Ace got hurt the first time, this is a team I thought we were seeing that, okay, this team's got the firepower to, to keep up. Their defense isn't going to be as good, but their offense can make up for it. Well, now you're seeing that. You're seeing it again here. And now you're seeing it in conference play. And now you've seen it on the road. That is what is the most critical thing. I don't care about anything else tonight. I just wanted to see them win on the road, and I'd hope that they would play well. I would hope that they would play well. And the fact that we got both is great. And, yeah, Bruce Stevenson, you're absolutely right. The rebound was bad in the first half. It was, I think, 16-6. to six. And they were. They were they, it, it was like somebody put, put Crisco on their hands because they had, they had so many balls. They had so many rebounds go right through their hands. They were trying to tip them. It was like, what, is, what the heck's going on? Much better job in the second half, though. VCU, plus six rebounds, even on offensive rebounds. And just like in Davidson, they really didn't pay the price for getting out-rebounded on offense. They were only minus two on second-chance points. Now, we get to the next game, we're going to have to mind our P's and Q's on that. But this was the – considering who we've got next, this was the performance we absolutely needed. They're going to go into that game on Friday – at Dayton, and I don't know if they're flying back to, to Richmond, but considering that I don't think the semester started yet, I would hope that they are just going straight from Dayton, from Chicago to Dayton and just, you know, doing doing a couple days in Dayton and, and finding a, you know, a high school court to practice on or whatever the heck and just sort of keep this same energy. Keep this same energy because the way they play tonight can give them a chance at Dayton. So let's talk about that because, oh my goodness, Dayton hit their rock bottom. And just like VCU, they have responded and they have responded with Venom. December 7th at Castle Coliseum, 
Virginia Tech beat the absolute duty out of Virginia out of, out of Dayton. 77-49. It was as bad as it sounded. It was totally embarrassing. I was following that game. I didn't watch it, but I was kind of following it on my phone. And I went, what has happened to these guys? What is going on? It felt like it felt like that they hadn't got over the battle for Atlanta struggles. This is what Dayton has done since. UNC Asheville, they win by 23. Wyoming in the United Center neutral floor, they win by 17. Alcor State at home, they win by 42. Duquesne, this is the closest game they've had. Duquesne at home, they win by 12. And that scoreline is a little bit is a little bit uh, misleading because Duquesne was decent in the game, but there was never a point where it looked like they were a threat. Davidson, that game was actually tough. See, that scoreline's deceiving the other way because it was close. It was 47-all, and then Dayton just smashed them at the end of the game. But they win that by 14. St. Joe's by 20 uh, on Wednesday last week. That was at home. And then at Fordham tonight, no fooling around. They beat Fordham by 24. So Dayton has been blowing teams out left, right, and center since doggone Virginia Tech beat the mess out of them. So, VCU, it, it, we've been waiting for it. You, you can't get in the hole early because this thing can, have, can snowball downhill. Dayton, by every metric, is clearly the best team in this league. They are the measuring stick. They had their problems in non-conference play. Their problems are over. They are dominating. Now, here's the positive, though. You look at that. They haven't played a close game since that last game at the Battle for Atlantis where somehow they contrived a way to blow a 30-point lead, end up in overtime, and lose. So what I'm saying is, VCU, if we can get to the end of that game and we're still in it, we might just cause Dayton some problems. Because, again, they haven't been in a game close game in a while, and they're close, they haven't played well in close games. BYU, they lose that in overtime. Wisconsin, I listened to that game when I was working because it was on Sirius XM, and Dayton just found a way to lose, and they lost that by one point. And they just found a way to lose that game. Their offense was so bad in that game, it was untrue. Um, and, yeah, John, those points about the net ranking uh, is, is right. We just have we, – we can't worry about it because it's going to – you know, as I said – as I said – on, on a show that I was on Sunday night that, that I threw in the group today, I don't see a scenario where VCU can get at large. So it's got to be put yourself in position to get a double bye and to hopefully get the best path in the tournament so you can win a tournament. But Dayton, Dayton's been tough. They're the best team. They're the measuring stick game. That's what Friday is. So we got to figure out this bad start thing because – as, as these other games show, if you let Dayton get on top of you, they'll smother you not let you up. We're going to have to rebound the ball better than we have because, as, as John O'Neill rightly says, Dayton starts four forwards. They're a big team. They've got athletes just like we do. They're going to be one of the most physically imposing teams we play this year. So we have got to be, we have got to be on our stuff from the get-go. Last year... And here's, the, and here's the other good thing. There's a lot of people that were on that roster last year. When Ace made that three-pointer, 
that incredible three-pointer, and then two guys who admittedly are not here anymore, Hassan Ward and Vince Williams combined to make what I thought was best defensive play in the, in the Atlantic 10 Conference last year to save that game at the end. So, But the fact is, Ace can tell these guys, don't worry about that they're 4-0 and they beat everybody's brains in and this and that. We can go there and win. We can go there and win. And, it, and Mike Urbanski, it isn't just the deuce. It's Friday night ESPN, whether it's deuce, you, whatever. Friday night ESPN has been death for us uh, in the Rhodes era. But we're just going to have to face up to it. And we're going to have to go there. And look, if we go there and lose, that sucks. Just don't go there and get your, get your head kicked in like everybody else. I don't want us to be another, another team that Dayton just swats away uh, like, like, a, like, a, like, a, like an annoying fly like everybody else they've played uh, since early December. No, we got to go there and put some work into their tail feather and show them that if, even if they beat us, that we're going to have something for them in Brooklyn if it comes down to it. If it comes right down to it. And, and the guys that are new on this roster have got to believe the veterans who say, we went here and won last year and we can do it. We just got to be right, right, right down the line with the things we do. We got to make our free throws. We got to try to get guys in foul trouble because that was one of the key things last year. We got Holmes in foul trouble. We got Kamara in foul trouble. Uh, we, did, we, did a, we did a nice job on, on uh, Smith. Ace Baldwin had a great game defensively to go with all the other stuff he did. And we got to do, and that's what we got to do here. We got, we got to show up suited and booted and ready to go from second one. No taking four minutes to get into the game because that is the way of trouble. And look, you go back to that home game last year, Dayton, you know, it was, it was 22-22 and then Dayton just marbleized us. So they're confident right now, the Flyers. They're clearly the best team in this league, and and they're gonna and they're gonna act like it and they're gonna play like it. So we gotta we gotta approach this like okay, we're gonna show them that we are a challenger. That's what I want. Win, lose, or draw. Go there, play them tough, be physical. Hope that we don't get Jamie Lucky and some refs that have, that think they're paid by the whistle. And let's let's get into them and really. Really put it on them physically and see what happens. See what happens. So uh, that's it. It's Friday night, nine o'clock. So no, unless I have the worst shift ever, you will be seeing me. I'll be in the group. I'll be in the game thread in the VCU Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. Live video in the in the in the Facebook group, and of course for you in podcast land, it'll drop drop the next day. Uh, one of the other things tomorrow, and that is Wednesday, uh, for those who are listening podcast land. You're not part of the VCU get good, the bad, and the ugly group. Join us because tomorrow, VCU by the numbers. Uh, we're gonna wait because normally we do it in the morning before I have work. But since I don't have work tomorrow, I can wait until the NCAA stats are updated, and we'll be looking at where they are in the free throws because they're gonna probably move back up. Uh, we're gonna look at the Ken Palm and their net numbers, which ought to improve, which ought to improve. Uh, at least a little bit because they won convincingly tonight. Not as convincingly as they should have, but they won convincingly tonight. Uh, and just all those other things. We're going to really look at what's going on. And that's the other thing I'm going to be interested to see. This offense, since I started tracking it about 10 games in, the offensive efficiency has taken a massive jump. And I think it's going to take another massive jump. 
And yes, Doug Hines, Rhodes ain't going to out-coach Grant. But let's give Coach Rhodes some credit. This team couldn't have been worse at Duquesne. They've responded with two outstanding efforts by playing the right way. And at least, at least tonight, defensively, they finally started to look like the team defensively that they should be. It took a while because, I mean, that's the other thing. Loyola was hot early. And even though Loyola, Loyola shot 51% in the second half, Loyola cooled off significantly, 44%. And they had to make some shots at the end just to get that. So, you know, this is – it's starting to come together. I really believe that. The real question is, how are we going to do in the hot iron fire that is going to be the UD arena? You know it's going to be a packed house. You know the crowd's going to be crazy. This will probably be the biggest crowd VCU's played in front of all year and the most hostile. So this is the test. This is the test, and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait till Friday because, again, if they can pass this test, then this is gonna this is gonna be a season that we might very well end up enjoying a lot. So I want to thank everybody in the game thread uh, for the excellent comments. It was always fun in the VCU, good and bad and the ugly game thread. Thank you everybody on the video for the comments. Again, I always appreciate it. Uh, it adds to the post game pod when we do them live. Uh, out in podcast land. Hope you enjoyed listening to this uh, Wednesday. Whenever you get get a, get a hold of it. We'll, the the uh, next one after Dayton will drop Saturday. Thank you all for listening. Everybody have a wonderful night. I hope you all enjoyed this one as much as I did. Uh, and uh, we'll see you Friday night in the good and the bad, the ugly group, and uh, Saturday in the podcast land. Thanks very much. Have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, we'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.